Hey, we are here. It is the one, the only 800 beers, the life of T.O. Pockets, and I'm here with the homie, Kyle, in the building. What up? Killing it with the sound effects. I got, I got sound effects in the background. They're my dogs apparently barking at everything. Hey, like, I'll be talking about DMX a little bit later too, so I'll be barking to it. It's okay. Look, that's that's maybe that's what that is. And like, I don't know. Since we moved to this new neighborhood, they're just always barking at shit. And it's like, you know, I'm come from an area where when dogs bark at stuff, you grab a pistol and you like go check okay. out. Okay. But now I live in like a country club neighborhood, and so now it's just a lot of other people walking up and down the street so i'm not used to that it kind of makes me nervous you know i would I trust know. the instincts of the dogs yeah yeah so i i, st- I don't know though he's young he's young he's still learning what's, okay he's still what's learning good. yeah if uh if somebody rings the doorbell they're just gonna have to wait because it's showtime and give a shit about the door <laughs> only, thing, only thing that gets me out of a studio is a house fire that's that's a fact i've done a show during a tornado once. wow dedication look i'm about that life bro like this is some people have fun with this and then there are people like me who take this a little too seriously when we we get to having a good show with a lot of people so welcome back 800 beers the life of tito pockets if you don't know this is this journey through 800 different beers and every show it's going to be a different beer and so i've got the old untapped uh app working so we can check in today's beer when we're ready to do that and uh you know we uh we got a special guest like if, if i didn't already tell you kyle is here he's in the house we're gonna be talking about some wild shit today like adoption you're gonna be stuck off the realness we be the infamous kyle and omi aka hey. to pockets hey so. look i i think this is not going to be the last time that we do a show. I right, look. Have you ever seen my show? Uh, Ask a black guy that I used to do. I mean, I totally got it from Dave Chappelle. But sure. it's a great, great thing to get on Twitch and just kind of like let it be open and random to people to ask a black guy a question. Especially when it comes to Twitch and the type of guys who'd be on there, you know for a fact that you know they're not going to be hanging out with anyone that could answer those questions. So they nope. they need Twitch. They, they need it. Please help us. Exactly. Understand, which is what I'm here for. That's definitely what I'm here for. So look, let's get let's get the cracking because you know the last thing people want to do is hear me talk. You got some important shit to say. But look, let's get and to the the, the 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 meat and potatoes. It is the beer of the day, which is going to be an Irish Channel Stout. Ooh. Irish Channel Stout. Right there. So I'm on the untapped app. I haven't tried it yet, but I do have it. Have it here. Okay. So, you know, cool part about this is I have pretzels that were made with this beer. And nice. that's kind of how I ended up with the old four pack. So, you know what I was thinking about? Like, you know, beer being an acquired taste. And, you know, the first time you take a sip of beer from your dad's beer or something, you're like, ugh. And like pretzels. Pretzels kind of have that same sort of taste from the yeast, right? And yep. it's like, pretzels are like a really mature sort of snack food it's like something that you appreciate more as an adult yeah at least it was for me 
It's not those bullshit like pretzels in a bag. You know, those are cool, but like the real pretzel. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that, that's what we got going today. It's just like from New Orleans. It's from NOLA. It's okay. a 6.8 alcohol by hey, volume. If it's above six, it's good for me. Yes. Let's see what the can says. It says this American stout starts with a strong espresso front end, finishes with a touch of baker's chocolate, and is balanced with a crisp bitterness produced by American hops and roasted barley. This smooth and rich beer is our thank you to our neighborhood, the Irish Channel. So apparently the Irish Channel is a neighborhood in New Orleans. Okay. And uh, they really like to support their neighborhood. So well, fuck it. Let's, let's pour hey. this up. Thank this you, Irish is, Channel. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Look, man. Right on time. Look, this I should get the pour on camera because it's so it's got a nice I'm not gonna say that, but it's got a nice head on it. Okay. No, I see. I, I didn't do the best pour of this. Yeah, I was going to say, you're like trying to reach around the mic and not bump it. So, yeah. It, I mean, I get credit for that part, right? You do. So look, it's dark. It was like clean, this. all things considered. Yeah, didn't waste a drop. <laughs> dark, dark beer here. Let me put this off the thing. Look, so just in case you go back to look at this, YouTube is going to flag the shit out of this because there's music on it. Right. And I kind of really don't give a fuck anymore because mm. I like having music on my show. And all these artists should get credit. So these are songs I like. So if YouTube flags it and I don't get to make a million dollars off of it, fuck it. Who cares? I just hope you enjoy watching it. I feel the same way. You know, fuck those copyright strikes. You know what I'm saying? Good. I'm just giving you credit, Nas, right now. Exactly. Cheers. Let's try this Irish Channel Stout. See what we're working with. Ooh. Look, there's always the first face when I taste the new beer. It's always mm -hmm. a little like this. You know? Yeah, you're curious. Yeah. You know, you don't know what's going on. You know, yeah. I do taste the espresso on espresso, espresso on the front end. And it is kind of sweet. The baker's chocolate, you know, baker's chocolate is not really sweet. It's kind of like a dry wine. Okay, it's yeah, it's a little bit more bitter, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's um. I like it. I would try it again. I think it's the bitterness at the end is really, really. You got to be ready for it. Okay. You know, it's like if somebody gives you wine and you're like, oh, wine, and you're like a sweet wine drinker, and then right. they give you like a, you know, cab that's like or a, Pinot Noir. Yeah, or something from like 20, yeah. 2007. And you, you hit that, you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, uh. oh, it's a little bit too much. It's a little bit more than I was used to. But uh, I, I say I, I like it. I'm going to, ooh, I can rate it. I'm going to give this beer. Five stars would just be a little bit too much. 3.5. It seems about right based on what you said. It's like the description <laughs> <laughs> on the website. Beer is tasty. Try it with some pretzels. And not those in the bag <laughs> those real ones that they make like at the baseball game mm -hmm. 
know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There it is. All right, that's my time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I didn't realize you were writing every single word that you were thinking. That's perfect. Bro, I have to. I, what the fuck is this? I unlock some promotion shit? Win a pair nice. of bikes. Uh, you just want to get my email address so you can send me a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Oh, get out of here. Oh, I unlocked <laughs> another badge. I'm Ooh. a brewery pioneer. Look at that shit, man. I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Man, they're making you feel good for some reason. Hell yeah. They want me to keep drinking beer so I can keep drinking beer, but fuck it. All right. Well, that was fun. What are you drinking, my friend? So I'll be honest with you. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but, you know, I saw that initial quote that you opened up with with the show mm-hmm. that said, friends, don't let friends drink Natty Light. And I oh. mean, uh, I'm not a fan of Natty Light. I drank a lot of Natty Light in college, um, mostly as a budgetary concern. Um, I'm not drinking anything special right now. I've just got a Modelo right now. Uh, previously, uh, before this one, I just finished up a, a, a regional Shiner Bach. This is something that I acquired a taste for and, and gained familiarity with starting in 2014 when I moved here to Texas, previously from Michigan. So, we don't, I mean, I, I guess the big brewery that people know of right now nationally might be Bell's Brewery. Uh, they've got something called Oberon uh, and a couple other ones that people are going to beat my ass for for not knowing. Um, but thankfully, they aren't watching, so it's okay yeah. unless I share okay. this. So, yeah. And then once they do, they can send $9.99 to... <laughs> <laughs> dollar sign to your pockets. Uh, yeah, dollar sign. Send it to me. Um, but, nah, man, Modelo is great in that Shiner Bach. Yeah, once you come to Texas, you kind of you kind of got to check the old Shiner Bach out, man. Like, you can't, uh, you can't you, miss you, that. You know what I think it is? Like, it's, I guess, considered like a standard beer around here. Like, one of the ones that you'd pick up a six-pack for. But yeah. it really tastes like a, a, a fancier, like, wheat ale sort of mm. beer. In comparison to your sort of, like, standard lager that you get at the liquor store. Mm. So, it's got less of like a, I guess with the cheaper beers, right? With Natty Light, you get that skunky aftertaste. And as you get a little bit more expensive, it gets a little bit less skunky. But yes. there's no aftertaste with Shiner Bach. It feels like a premium beer for like an everyday man's price. And I appreciate that. Well, that's what, that's what we try to do. Some of us in Texas, we're not going <laughs> to mention anybody's name, Greg Abbott and the boys. But, uh, Ted Cruz. But anyway, we're not going to talk about them tonight. Sure. I just moved my camera again. I don't know where I want to do it. It's I think it's better over here. See, I, yeah, I like that. Now I can look. No, I like that. Yeah. See, now it doesn't look so bad. Like, see, now I'm looking at you. But then, like, before I had to look over here. Like, I'm like, why am I looking at this? I can see that right there on the screen. Let's just get functional <laughs> over here. Let's just. You're good, get, man. What is going on behind me over there? Like, I mean, I, I, I see Mike Tyson's punch out, but. That's about it. I need some lighting, but anyway, let's keep rolling. Anyway, so here's my my favorite part of the show. It's called Here's the Story. So it's a little creative game I like to play. And what I would like you to do is to give me a name for this guy. All I need you to do is come up with a first name and a last name. And I'm going to tell you. I'm going to create a little. No, I have no idea who he is. 
because he's currently uh, it's an interesting story with him. But okay. he's uh, I don't know his name, and we need to figure it out. But I'm gonna use my creative, whimsical abilities in this beer to kind of come up with the background story, and hopefully, you know, I might be right about this gentleman because he was part of something on January 6th okay. that some people shouldn't have been part of. So we don't know who he is. So we're going to give him a name right quick. What do you think his name is? Okay. So instantly, energy, just like the Simpsons, Cletus. Boom. Mm-hmm. Cletus, first name, uh, last name. It's it's going to be uh, like a two-part sort of like compound name, uh, like two words. I got to think of like uh, Bucket. Uh I'm, I'm gonna say Cletus Bucketson. Cletus Lee Bucketson. All yep. right. Yeah. Well, Cletus L. Bucketson. Cletus L. Bucketson. He goes by C. L. Bucketson, and he's a real estate agent in rural Arkansas. Okay. He actually got to the riot. Uh, excuse me, rally, rally riot. I don't know what the, what to call it. Insurrection, got, whatever. Yeah, the cool. insurrection. He actually got there in a Fiat but parked it at the hotel and put on his Trump gear and came down. You can tell he actually is not your typical Trump supporter because his beard is very clean shaven like that. But you need a beard like that when you're selling real estate out in rural Arkansas. He also has a dog. The dog's name is is Binky, and it's a small chihuahua with painted toenails. And what we don't know about C.L. Bucketson is he's a huge drag race fan okay like rupaul's drag race start your engine drag race yeah okay. yeah but he lives in arkansas so he's man kind of that's, torn. that's rough he's kind of torn in between his usual lifestyle and his political beliefs torn between but, two worlds yeah in between two worlds but you know the call of camo and america could not keep him from fulfilling his destiny so <laughs> his destiny if you know cl buckets Tag the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI or submit a tip at tips.fbi.gov. The FBI has brought in hundreds of people that were at the insurrection, and we're going to do our part here as an American citizen. Our patriotic duty. Patriotic duty to make sure that these people are brought to justice. And, you know, if you did notice under the picture, it said AFO or AOM. AFO means assault of a federal officer and AOM is assault of media. So, yeah, it went down. CL Bucketson got it in and and, uh, he assaulted a federal officer. So with this, does this mean this is a pro snitching show? I don't think it's so much as a pro snitching. So if you're snitching on, if you're telling on Trump support, look, if you're telling on Trump supporters who didn't even vote, but came to kill people and ransack a place that I pay tax dollars to keep looking nice. But if I get caught with the speeding ticket, they're going to do everything in their possible power to come knock on my door to find me for a warrant arrest. I don't hear that shit. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> that's called, the highest the stakes can be raised this is it this is called equality this is america jack so this is equality i feel if, that it's if, accountability that's it it's accountability know, if if that had been the black lives matter people they all would have been arrested that day yup you know yep. these, escalated so high 
different news stories different different news, news stories. stories but unfortunately for the people that were there and kind of unfortunately for me i was watching it on tv and i kind of wanted to get a little bit out of hand but i mean no, i know what you mean did. it's like uh did. watching nascar hoping for crashes yeah i was hoping it was just a big one i got a couple of them but not enough of them but anyway <laughs> if you know this guy cl bucketson you know i need to remember these people's names cl bucketson that's a good one please <laughs> Report him to the FBI. They're going to pay you cash money for turning these people in. Oh, boy. That's not how we go forward. Hey, look. If you didn't know, I went to the Bavarian Grill. And so, first I had a beer. It was a smaller beer than this beer. It was a half of a liter. And as I'm drinking the beer, my girlfriend's like, oh, okay, that's nice. You have a ladies' beer. And I'm like... Yeah, this is a ladies' beer. Excuse me? <laughs> She's like... Yeah, yeah in Germany, that's that is a woman's beer. Yeah, that is. I was like, I need a man's beer now, Carl. <laughs> Carl with a K. Yeah, please, Carl. Now he's like, what do you want in? I don't care. Make it delicious. Make it frosty. Man glass. So then here he comes with this giant liter of beer, and she sits it down. Now in my head. And you're a Simpsons fan. I'm thinking. Absolutely. You remember when you remember when Homer was in Australia and he got the Foster's the beer? Yeah. And he's like, no. Yeah. He got the he got the big can of Foster's. He's like, what's wrong? He's like, eh, it's big, but it's, it's not big. really that big. But, <laughs> but you know what? It was still quite a hefty amount of beer, bro. But what I, I learned about German beer compared to a lot of these other beers, bro. This was a light German beer, like a lager. Yeah. That shit was so good, bro. Mm-hmm. I down two of those <clears throat> and if i hadn't had the wheat beer before i probably would have down a third one but i also learned why people are soccer hooligans and get drunk and fight at, at places because when we left i felt like fucking superman i, I was like you know what? i'll tell you what um soccer hooligans like i went to a wedding that of, of like a friend i studied abroad with like we met in the study abroad program and like they have some really good wheat ales, just as like their standard like Budweiser and six packs there. And they're all half liter cans. And that shit is cheap. So and, and for me, I mean, look, look at me, look at my size, feel my energy. Like I, I have no business getting into fights, but drinking that shit and probably drinking that, too. I'd be in the mood to get in a fight too. Yeah. put on party up. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't even know which teams are playing. But as soon as somebody say fight, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so we were talking about Oktoberfest, and so they show a picture of like this lady with all these stein, I mean these cups. And so I'm like, well, what do you do when you get through with a cup? They're like, just put it down or throw it away. Like it's not a big deal. They're just gonna bring you another one. I'm like, that's wasteful. Just fill mine back up. Like, why do I <laughs> You know what it is, though? Like, when you go to, like, a Texas roadhouse and you're throwing peanut shells on the floor, it's like that with beer glasses at Oktoberfest. Ah, yeah. See, I need to be part of that. Let's go. like, hey, watch out. I'm... Awesome. Look, I don't know. It was was delicious. We're going back. We're going to go hang out there uh, and have some delicious beer again. Absolutely. And I'm not going to drive home. So, designated drivers. Let's roll right into it, bro. So, like, look, I have been noticing, and you've been doing a lot of work 
and um, presenting a view about adoption that a lot of people really have no clue about. And a lot of us who have no clue about adoption, period. But, you know, looking at this picture of this this lovely stock family, uh, you know, we do notice that there is a small Asian girl in the middle. You know, and this is kind of the interesting thing about adoption that I've learned from watching people in Hollywood that white people like to adopt minorities. And, I'm just nodding. Mm-hmm. And, and Woody you know, Allen, Mia yeah, Farrow, you know. Yeah, 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 Angelina Jolie. Like, yeah. You know, and, and there, there's talk, you know, they called them Black Diamonds before and, 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 and all of that. But, you know... <laughs> You hear about that, but you never really get the insight from. Oh, this is probably one of the best songs Outcast ever did called Wheels of Steel. Um, Wheels of Steel. But you never really get the insight from someone who's actually lived it, you know, and you have been sharing with the world a lot of information about your growing up and how you feel about it and things like that so you know let's let's just let's start off with it like tell us about your experience with adoption yeah so i guess i can sort of set the stage with people's general sorts of expectations of what adoption's all about what the intentions are and people's general sort of popular perception of it and i mean i mean in my case it's international adoption. In the case of the stock photo, international adoption. We're talking about Americans, Europeans, uh, usually white people, 99% of the time white people, um, adopting kids from East Asia, South America, Africa, Haiti, places like that. Um, people of color at the end of the day. Um, and I guess for each person that has some sort of, uh, I guess, general or high-level story you can say is like, hey, they came from these circumstances that were poor and unfortunate from this place that's uncivilized, third-world country, and uh, we have some sort of case study in like, you know, hey, they have parents now, they live in a house, they're going to school, and like, hey, they have this brand new life in America. Isn't that great? Mm. And, uh... Wait, yeah, isn't that isn't that great? Yeah, and but I mean, it's it's one of those things where there is the general intention of adoption, which is, hey, let's try and give these kids who are from unstable circumstances a normative life, right? Mm -hmm. And I totally respect that. I I love when any sort of uh, project starts with a good intention. Uh, that's where all successful projects start from is some sort of intention that has like wants to do some sort of good in the world. So I, I get agree. that. Um, but, you know, I guess there's the notion of two Americas, right? Like, yeah. I, I guess in particular, the notion of there being like a white America and a black America. And I think if I were to sum up in the most direct terms that I could, the difference between white America and black America is that white America deals in terms of ideals intentions like what's the best case scenario of like what our ideas can bring about um and not paying too much attention to what kinds of possible damage or impacts those things could have uh and only focusing on the good 
the problem is, is when there are people in power making decisions on behalf of everyone else, especially people that look different, coming from different backgrounds and different cultures, there are people that have to live with the reality and the consequences of those, of those decisions and those policies. And in the case of my life, like, I should preface everything by saying that, like, right now, like, this is probably the, the, the highest my self-esteem and my feeling of certainty and, like, feeling authoritative I've ever felt in my entire life. But, you know, I'm, I'm like, 120 pounds. I'm an Asian man in America, you know, in the time of Asian hate, in the time of the China virus. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's, it's like, on, I think a lot of people that would only see adoption as this purely good and purely net positive sort of effort are coming from perspective of never having been like in a marginalized position or in some sort of place where they feel powerless in some way because it's up to like the the decisions of other people that determine what's going to happen to you mm -hmm. uh so in my case i guess the way that i could sum it up is like i feel emotionally healthy i feel great and like in my case the parenting that i had allowed me to become like a confident emotionally well-adjusted adult but you know i also do a lot of volunteering with uh, adopted people um and and sort of helping people helping young people out uh mentoring them and things like that and i i think what it really comes down to is like and and this was the case for me earlier in like my childhood and my teenage years is that like when your expectations are set really high of what America is all about, Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal. And then, you know, at the same time with my experiences, all men are created equal. Like I'm thinking to Guru on conspiracy from Gangstar, like all men are created equal. That's just a lie that we're telling people, yep. you know, it's, it's, yep. it's just like it's something that informs like documents from the historical past. But what are we doing now? And like what kinds of sins are we are we like allowing to happen in our society and, and and like i don't want to come off as this like angry adopted person that feels really negative with this chip in my shoulder mm -hmm. the way i see it is i'm inspired by uh in particular black activism by people like malcolm x people like franz Fanon, like fuck, like fucking egghead shit like that's mm -hmm. my background in college just like anthropological stuff and anti-colonial study so i guess when it comes to my perspective on adoption and sort of any sort of thing you could interpret as being negative about it is from an anti-colonial perspective informed by history and informed by the sorts of terrible things we've excused in the name of colonial efforts uh and you know that's speaking in egghead terms but i guess the way that i could put it is like we got to stop thinking in good intentions when like Someone like me in a place that like, you know, voted a majority Reagan and mm. turned like the county around from being historically democratic, you know, unionized auto workers mm -hmm. into voters of Reagan on a cultural basis. That sort of shows where I was coming from. And so, you know, being the only person that looked like me, mm -hmm. shit, I got that ass whooped every day. <laughs> wasn't wasn't any fun and see that's this kind of I'm glad you, you you are starting to dive into that part about it because I think that's the part that people don't really pay attention to because especially like someone from me you're like oh well, you know and this is just being real about black kids from other sides of town you're like oh well 
you know, the little Asian kids with a white family. Everything's great. He's got everything that he, you know, you know, there's a lot of things. That's that's the the view of America. Like, oh, he's with a white family. You know, everything in the white family is always okay. You know, and that's the fucked up view of America that they give us. And so, you know, it's now you're saying, you know, the doubt. Yeah. And so now you're, you're, you're diving into the part about growing up. And I, I apologize for uh, interjecting there, but go ahead. you got that ass whooped every day. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it's like, I am an interesting case study in like, it's rare that you find someone that like, got their ass whooped every day, but also had a good support system. So it's just like the ass whoopings really happened. Like when I first started leaving the home, because that's when you realize there's a gap between the ideals that your parents talk to you about. Like, yeah, you know, everyone should love you like the way we do. And then, you know, you realize that like racism doesn't function on the basis of like how you feel about yourself. Nope. It functions on the basis of like the consensus of other people. One hundred percent, bro. And growing up in DeSoto in the eighties, when it was ninety mm-hmm. percent white, you know, okay, yep. As a during a the Reagan boy. years, oh yeah, years. man. You know, it was nothing to to be called, you know, nigger by by some kids or something. When we're walking home, bro, you're talking about five or six year old kids, man. Exactly. Me and, me and my buddy were talking about. Um, a common occurrence that happened over there. So there used to be this guy that would drive around in like an old Dodge van. He was a high school kid or something, but he always would be playing country music and he'd be calling kids nigger and trying to kidnap them and put them in his van. Mm. Bro, but this is 1987. Do they care about the black kid out there? You know, hey, well, you know, you should just, you know, just keep yourself inside you know and don't be kidnapped like that was all no, the advice that's, that's the you. thing right the goalposts are always moving like yep. you could have always been doing something to keep yourself safer and yep. when you do the thing that was supposed to keep you safer they were like well damn you should have done the step further than that <laughs> yeah yeah you should have always just moving not, why'd you why'd you come out the house today then you know the sun was out that's bad yeah, the sun's out other people are out they're moving yeah. around you don't know what's gonna happen shit shit it's why white people kidnap black people when the sun <laughs> is out you don't want to do that like go back yeah. inside the like, kid like, if yeah. the risk is non-zero it's a risk i yep. got you yeah yeah so growing up in an area bro where you're different is and and i mean rough. i was and 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 and, and, and you know the thing about racism too is obviously like the stereotypes differ from people to people and, and 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 like for for me right obviously i'm not going to be perceived as like this threatening person that's going to like whoop people's asses or steal their stuff or do devious yeah. shit it was just and, and you know real talk like it's basically like i can walk in a room and be like hey guys what's up and be like yo what up chink fucking bitch and it's <laughs> just, whoa with just that sort of energy you know they, so, they, but then yeah i see what you're saying yeah yeah just being like a smaller dude like, and, and here's the thing about my look is that like, I lean into looking East Asian and like, you know, looking at the Korean styles, looking at the Japanese styles. I lean into that because I realize that, you know, people out there like adopt these styles that make themselves look good. I realize yeah. that like, you know, a lot of Asians in America don't look good because there's no models out there to show them what looks good, you nope. know? So it's just nope. like, 
people tend to interpret me as being this fucking like foreign guy and it's just like you don't even fucking know who i am and i don't nah. even mean like important i just mean like you don't even know what i've seen i'm like fucking uh roy batty and blade runner like talking yeah. about like i've been seeing the the sea beams off of the, the the belt of orion and shit yeah and and these people are like well i don't just know trying what to size me up and it's just like no i listen to too much dmx and limp biscuit to be fucking taking shit from someone like you yeah as part of like look you're part of that generation bro you're exactly we're on the tail end of generation x we watched those people be rebellious growing up just rebellious without any type of direction and we're going you know what we're going to be rebellious but we're going to have a little direction and you know that was that was exactly what it was you know it was like it was it was like watching someone storm the castle and they completely tried and fucked it all up but didn't really get it and then you go you know what we should have used fire first Mm -hmm. and so that's exactly what we did as millennials came through there that thing and now Generation X gets uh, paid time off. So you're no, exactly. And you know, for me, the artist that got really big right as I was going into middle school, and you know, being from Michigan, fucking Eminem, man, number one on TRL was the real Slim Shady, being a fucking obnoxious motherfucker, you know, saying the wildest shit. And He's the greatest, bro. I've said it, it before. It, it, it really. It was a really interesting time in music, too, because, you know, Dre was coming back in 99. Uh, DMX had like his third album out. So it was a really good, interesting time. And every single one of those artists from that time was talking all kinds of wild shit that I think protected me, you know, because like you're not going to hear the kind of shit that's going to serve your self-preservation as a person of color from like the classroom they're gonna be like hey guys let's let's play this vhs on conflict resolution and she's like no fuck that shit that's not how it works in real life that's how you get your fucking ass whooped tell me the real shit and then dmx is like suck my dick and i'm just like yes thank you You know i have i have the words that i need i got you stuck off the realness you know like we'd be the infamous you heard of us you know like it's energy that i harness to be like hey you know I might I might not be carrying, but I'm mentally carrying, you know? Look, you have to be mentally caring, bro. When you're a person of color in America, you have to be mentally caring, bro. Because the pure, you know, this is the amazing thing. They're always talking about people of color, but if you look at the statistics of how many white people are in this country, there's so many more of them than there are of minorities and people of color. Mm-hmm. And so I keep wondering, why do I watch the news and all I see on there is crimes committed by minorities and people of color? You mean all night long, no white people committed any crimes that we need to be aware of? And that, that really brings up an interesting thing. And, you know, this is kind of going off on different topics. I don't know if we got a time limit. I don't know if we're going to be entertaining people all night with this premium content. Uh, so, yeah, but... um. You know, really, I think that like it speaks to like what is crime, you know, not to get too academic and egghead and shit. Right. But, you know, just watching something like The Wire, it's like you think about like the kinds of crimes that people get locked up for for basically no reason, you know, like minor drug possession, stuff like that. Things that are not hurting a community beyond like the idea of like the like purity of the community sort of shit, like theoretical stuff. 
Yeah. Um, and then like you think of like the kind of fucked up shit that's going on in the average suburb, like kids being bad touched and stuff that you hear about like years later. It's just like, what's the real crime? What's causing the real trauma? What's causing the real harm that people need to go to therapy for? Yeah. Is it is it like the the young single mother that's like, oh shit, like I don't have like any family support, I don't have a husband, I gotta do something, and then gets in trouble for a petty drug crime versus like, you know, like the fucking asshole guy that like no one likes that like yep. works at the middle school that's the the neighborhood pedo, you know. Bro, so. and, and that is so true, bro. And it, it goes unknown and unspoken all the time. And it is. It's just like the, 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 and it's sad because the person that's selling the weed or doing the small petty crime is probably smoking that to cope with yeah. something else that they've dealt with in their life, or maybe being adopted and not having the 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 the, the ability or the resources to connect with people like yourself, um, and you know. Um, be mentored to. So tell us a little bit about like the mentorship. Like what what goes on there? Like how do you how do you mentor someone that was adopted as from where you are today? Yeah. So I mean, for me, like I attended summer camps for like adopted kids from similar backgrounds, mm-hmm. and that's sort of how I got into like activities where like that sort of mentoring happens, and just seeing what kind of difference it made for me. And in particular, that feeling of self-love that, you know, I feel like every kid needs if they feel different. Like, it put me in a place where I was like, you know, if if I was able to gain that and I was, and and I'll put it in these terms too, if I was able to be one of the ones that survived, Mm -hmm. because the suicide rate and suicide attempt rate among people that are adopted, uh, just in general, both internationally and domestically is four times the average. Really? Um, Yes, four times wow. the average. See, I didn't know that. Nobody and, and, knows that, bro. Like, you just, it's, it's just like, nobody knows it. I'm going to shut up. Go ahead. No, it's all good. But, like, it, it speaks to this notion, right, that uh, adoption in, in the minds of a majority of people, and, you know, not to say that this is wrong. You know, what usually happens is, is we fill in the gaps in our knowledge with just, like, what's sort of, like, the popular opinion and the popular opinion is that like hey since the intentions of the institution are good hey they must be doing good so it's a good thing i don't even need to think about it whatever i don't give a fuck um but i mean for someone like me and for a lot of people that have been through this uh i mean if you really think about how adoption is talked about just on an everyday basis it's a joke it's something that people joke about and it doesn't really offend me because i understand why it's a joke uh and 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 it kind of speaks to how unusual the circumstance is too i mean really in my heart of hearts like in my most rational honest look at real life in society this shit is weird. Like, of course, people are going to like look at me in a photo with my two white parents. My dad passed away. So it's me and my mom now. Rest in peace. Um, I understand that it's weird. And I'm not going to try and justify it and be like, just because that's what I'm used to, that it's not unusual for everyone else. That's an unreasonable expectation. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, given that unique sort of experience, but also coming from like a, a supportive family. And I guess that's like a whole other tangent I could go on real quick. Just like for me, I've had to mention several times that my adoption experience was good in the sense that the 
I would say a majority of adoptions or a, a majority of adoptees or adopted people that share their opinion on the internet mm-hmm. is about trauma and terrible stuff and feeling abandoned and all this stuff. Like the worst sort of like uh, PTSD related emotional trauma that you can experience uh, for various reasons. Um, kind of just speaking to the general perception of like how seriously people take adoption, uh, but also from the perspective of like, if you are an orphan, if you're a foster child, if you are like, you know, one of society's forgotten, like you, you could be having all kinds of terrible shit happening to you, whether it be sexual assault stuff, physical abuse stuff, uh, emotional abuse stuff. And you don't really have anyone to talk to about that. And like, if this is the only setting that you've been exposed to, then like you may not even be able to perceive for yourself that's abnormal and that's toxic and wrong. So I, I think that's why a lot of adoptees end up having mental issues uh, and, and needing treatment for it is because uh, a lot of them are coming from homes that are either abusive and or it's just like these mental illnesses manifest because the parents have a different understanding of how reality operates than what their kids experience. And they think that just because their individual experiences don't show this hostile world, that the world couldn't possibly be hostile to their kids too. And that sort of uh, lack of honesty and how hostile reality can be is what is what tends to be the source of why a lot of these adopted people's health, mental health spirals out of control. So it, it can be heavy shit. And, 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 you know, for me, it's just like, Yo, my life is good. Got a good wife, you know, uh, one of the few lucky people to have a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's like I didn't fucking go through all that racism and like all of the gaslighting of people saying, oh, they have good intentions, but it's really not that bad. <laughs> uh, and then all the sorts of things that I had to reflect on. And then, you know, after high school and, you know, being exposed to like black authors and seeing how the the struggle for black liberation at large is very deeply connected to the institutions and attitudes that created adoption or international adoption in the first place. Like, did you know it was created by just like an evangelical couple in the 1950s who were like, yo, Congress, we're like this nice evangelical couple from Oregon. Can we please adopt these children from Korea? Can we have this special session of Congress to get this set up? And Congress was like, yeah, sure. And, 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 and a point I like to bring up whenever I discuss this shit, right? And I, I think this is really a very reasonable view to have is like, I think about it just as an example, as a counter case study. You wouldn't fucking see a black congregation do this shit because the first thing they would say to themselves is like, that's none of my business. Yeah. You know, like it, yeah. it's the cultural notion of staying in your lane. Stay in your damn lane. Yeah. <laughs> None of your business. Because if you end up putting your nose in places where you, you have no business, like you're going to make trouble for other people. That's yeah. just like the most elementary you can break it down. And it speaks to just like the kind of wacky shit that people can get away with if, um, you know, they look like the type of people that would have credibility, even if no one checks their credentials. Pull the old Jesus card on them. And, and what's, what's, part. what's, Funny to me as someone that's deeply sort of involved in this and I have sort of a dark sense of humor, but you know, it's really a serious thing for people that are just kind of newly like introduced to this stuff is like, yo, they adopted all these Korean kids, like this particular couple, the Holt family. And like, I think I know at least one of of their sons committed suicide or died by suicide. And I think more did too. 
Um, wow. So, I mean, it, it speaks to the gap between what their intentions are and like how reality treated them and like what kinds of worldly understanding like their local communities had of just like these people as human beings you know these are just like korean kids coming over and everyone's like what the fuck is this are you from china and it's just like you know on one hand like of course like you know like there's been one chinese restaurant like you know five miles away for the last 20 years but those are the only asian people they've ever seen so of course they don't fucking know anything yeah Uh, but you know that's fine I mean, you know, in, in a vacuum, that's not hurting anyone. But when it comes down to, hey, you're bringing kids there into that environment and you expect them to be mentally healthy and like, you know, mm. get married and have kids and have a nice job. Good fucking luck. Dang, that's a struggle, bro. That's an up. <sighs> yeah. Welcome to the uphill climb of the people of color. Exactly. A, that's why I, that's why I feel solidarity with all people of color and workers of the world, man. Because at the, regardless of my own successes, I've realized that a majority of like the struggles I've had have come to terms with like, I need to be happy with myself regardless of other people's perceptions of me. Fair. And uh, I, I feel like I've learned that best from rappers, man. Being able to model that sort of confidence in spite of people being haters, people yep. being unreasonable. You know, yep. you realize that at the end of the day, it's always going to be like that. So what are you going to do in the face of that? Are you going to collapse and just let that happen? Or are you just, are you going to push forward and do what you need to do? So that's it. Nobody's going to sit yeah. there and, and you don't want to be, a, you don't want to be no bitch. Yeah. As, as they say, you don't want to be no bitch. So as you see, it's the end of the country. This is the Pacific ocean. And uh, that means that the show has reached its end for today, man. Look, what would you tell people because if you're like me you're watching this show you're here and you've learned so much more about adoption from people of color but what with you someone that has as has lived through this what advice would you give people that have not lived through it or don't really know your story and and now that they know that one of their friends might have lived through that like what can they do to be supportive of how would you want to to for them to interact or, or how do you be supportive with some shit like that you know see that's what a else? great question yeah. that's a great question because like to be honest i have to detach from a good amount of like what's considered to be the adoptee community online in, in the sense that, like, there is a lot of, I guess I would call it, like, trauma bonding. And I don't think that's a healthy, sustainable sort of way to start and inform a relationship. Like, hey, we all share the same trauma. Let's bond together over it. And I'm yeah. just like, uh, I'm, try- I'm, I'm trying to reduce the amount of problems in my life. You know, mm-hmm. I respect them as human beings, respect their human dignity and all that. But I need space from that. I dealt with all kinds of wacky shit like that my whole life. I'm not trying to get more of it. Uh, but but when, it com- when it comes down to, um, I think, someone like me who is sort of like on a journey with it, has aspirations of uh, fully defining themselves as an individual and as a person, uh, 
after experiencing like people telling you what you should be or how you should feel, you know, that you should feel thankful that you've been adopted. And in a very sort of condescending and racist way, like we saved you from this third world place and, you know, we saved you from heathenism type shit. And, you know, that's not the attitude of everyone, but that's the general sort of attitude that informs the institution and informs a lot of people who do it. And it's coming from a place of ignorance rather than a place of worldliness. Because if it was coming from a place of worldliness and coming from a place of true compassion, they'd be saying, "Yo, what the fuck are we like adopting these babies out for? Shouldn't we give, be giving these families more money so they can keep the damn kids? So. Look, and on that note, I am T.O. Pockets along with the homie Kyle. This has been... Hey. This has been an interesting ride down the adoption. I say rabbit hole. It's just it's just like I said, like it's not all punky Brewster, ladies and gentlemen. It's not all punky Brewster. But I want to invite you back next show, which um, it's gonna be another. No, usually the show's on Wednesday, but look, I'm gonna tell you straight up what happened yesterday. I was asking you if you wanted to be on the show. Yeah. I thought it was Tuesday. <laughs> I thought it was Tuesday. And so my girlfriend was like, well, aren't you and Kyle doing the show tonight? I was like, no, it's tomorrow. She it's goes, tomorrow. no, tonight's Wednesday. I was like, no. And she's like, yes. And I looked at the calendar. I was like, oh, well, no, we're doing it on Thursday. Well, I guess we're I, doing it on Thursday now. I don't even know. I lost Monday. I, I got to figure out. It's the second time I've lost. Hey, you, yeah, I, I can relate. It's either like a day I wake up for work or it's not. So Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a day. But look, I've enjoyed being here with my friend. I appreciate you letting us in on some insight from your life and sharing with, uh, with everybody. And I want to let everybody know watching. Thank you. I appreciate you for watching. You got any shout outs you want to give, Kyle? Uh, shout out to my mom. She's at Harbor Chase. Love her to death. Shout out, uh, mom. Shout out to uh, Eminem who helped raise me and protect me from bullies growing up. Same thing with DMX. Uh, shout out to uh, my block, 23 and Romeo. Appreciate yeah. you. And uh, uh, fuck my high school. You treated me like shit, but here I am. Fuck you, Dakota. Thank you. Told you. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we are out. See you later. Peace. Why is that not working? It's supposed to run. <laughs> <laughs>